morning, everyone, and um, it is good to be here. Uh, it occurred to me that um, when uh, in, in Sunday school class, and I'm in Austin's class here, and um, we were talking about, or he shared a little bit about how the, the Israelites, when they uh, had just experienced the miracle of the Red Sea, you know, it wasn't long at all. What was it? Three days or so. They came to Mara, which they called the place Mara after the bitter water. That uh, their faith seemed to fail, or maybe we could ask the question, "What faith?" <laughs> Part of the reason that they were in the the place that they were with their uh, unbelief was because of of the rut of thinking pattern that they were in. And I may or may not explore that a little more depending on how uh, our time goes this morning. Um, about, let's see, it would have been 90, in the late 90s, probably about 97. Um, I remember uh, I was teaching in junior high at the time at United Christian. I remember standing at the desk of, of uh, one of my students and she was telling me about how horrible algebra was. And um, I had, I'd kind of take, because I enjoyed math so much, and, and Verna Mullet had instilled in me, uh, when I was a student, just a real love for mathematics, specifically for secondary math. And, um, and I, I just couldn't re- relate why you would not enjoy math. But, but uh, someone else, I, I don't know if it was at a... Uh, teacher's conference one time or something, uh, someone had told me that the reason most students don't enjoy mathematics is because they don't understand it. They find it very difficult. If you can help them to understand, they probably will enjoy it. Now, it may not be their favorite subject, but they probably won't mind the class. They'll at least be you know, fairly congenial to the idea. And so I took it on myself to, to uh, I, I took up that challenge to help students enjoy math. And I remember telling her, I said, look, I said, I will guarantee you if you ask questions when you have them, you don't try to fight your way through on your own, I will help you and I guarantee you the day will come when you tell me you enjoy She didn't swear, but <laughs> maybe inside, <laughs> but she didn't audibly swear that uh, that, that would never happen, okay, but she told me very emphatically, that absolutely will never happen. It is the worst thing ever. And I got a little pious then and said, well, now God created math. You better be a little careful, you know. <laughs> but, but she affirmed that there was no way that she would ever enjoy math. The reason that the day came where she actually told me that she enjoyed mathematics was because she learned to think differently. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the way you think in your heart of hearts, sometimes we say, actually in your mind, in the core of your mind, has everything to do with how you respond to life and how you tackle tasks or how you address situations, etc. And this morning we want to look at serving the Lord with all our mind. And um, 
that's what I've titled the message. And I just greet all of you in the name of Jesus and want to um, just really take a look at how your mind, how you think, and how I think in our, in our minds, how it affects our life, and really, in, in a much greater way, though, about, it's not just about how it affects us, but it really is a command from Jesus Christ himself, a higher call than what you would find in the Old Testament. And, um, are we on? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so, love the Lord with all your mind. My text is in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. And um, perhaps before we, uh, we go to the text, um, I would like if you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This may be... One of the most, when, it, when we talk about thinking and parenting and family life, etc., Deuteronomy 6 is probably the most read, most quoted scripture in the Old Testament. And um, so I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 6, and we'll actually come back to this, but I want you just to notice something, and then we'll go into our text. Uh, in verse 4 and 5 of Deuteronomy 6, it reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They were monotheists, and God is one. He is the only one. He is. He wasn't. He won't be. He is. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might or strength. What, what I want you to notice is the first command given in this setting about loving the Lord had three uh, specific instructions about how to love him. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might or strength. In the text, Jesus raises the standard. And it's that higher call that we want to explore this morning. Not to leave the impression that loving the Lord with all our heart is extremely important. It is. Loving with all our soul, also extremely important. Strength, also extremely important. So what we're going to explore this morning is not to, to suggest that these aren't equally important. It's just we can't explore all of them in one morning. And, and so we want to specifically look at what Jesus added to the command and why it is such a call. So let's go to the text. I guess I had that uh, up on the PowerPoint on Deuteronomy 6. Go to our text, Mark 12, 28 to 34. And you can follow on if you want, or in your Bible, either way is fine. <coughs> the setting here is Jesus ha was having conversation with, with the disciples as well as a number of other people. 
And um, then with the Sadducees, starting in verse 18, and then um, someone had been listening in to the conversations. Don't know his name for sure, but uh, it was one of the scribes. The NIV says it was a teacher of the law. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together. Now, again, this was the conversation that Jesus had been having with the Sadducees. Remember, the Sadducees believed there was no resurrection, no afterlife, basically. Okay? And so Jesus had um, he'd just taken it to them, described how that they err, they don't know the scriptures. So, and he explained what was going on and why their belief system absolutely did not work, even Knowing the scriptures. Now remember the scriptures then were, were the, was the law of Moses and some of the prophets. Yet from the law of Moses and some of the prophets. It, they could have had they known them could have known that there was an afterlife etc. Alright. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well. Asked him. That's Jesus. Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him. The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Notice what Jesus added. He added, And with all thy mind. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I want to pause there. And I want to focus in on specifically what is the original meaning of the word translated with all thy mind. Um... In Matthew 6, 19-21, Scripture says, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's an indication here of why Jesus added, he, he gave the higher call of also loving him with, with our mind. The heart follows the mind. For ye- I don't know why that had never occurred to me growing up, not because it wasn't taught, I'm sure, but I always thought, well, you know, the seed of everything was the heart. Jesus very clearly says that the heart follows the mind. The scripture uh, confirms that. When he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, treasure here is wealth. Decisions you and I make about what we have, our material possessions and so on, that those decisions come from where? The mind. And how we see life and what our goals are and what our motivation is. We'll explore that in just a bit. But the point I want to make is the heart follows the mind. Remember that, folks. The heart follows the mind. Jesus said it. And so decisions you make like blaze a trail or cut a path for where your heart will be in the future. Now, um, 
if you, uh, hopefully you don't have any uh, particularly in your home, but if for some reason you do have some DVDs, some Disney DVDs in your home, one thing that you'll find in most of those stories, whether it's uh, um, Snow White or, or what's, the, uh, what's the other one with the glass slip? Cinderella, okay? So if you have, if, if you have a book with the story of Cinderella, I, I frankly don't care, but the, the point I want to make is this, that every, almost in every case, uh, movies produced by Disney will have somewhere along the line, will have a theme of you need to, f- you know, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Well, the truth is that we don't follow our heart. Our heart follows our mind. Now, all of a sudden, what the agenda is in any movie, book, whatever you read, whatever you listen to in music, all of a sudden, you, we have to start thinking about agendas here because our heart follows the mind. And believe me, everything out there today has an agenda. That's another subject for another day. But it's true. And certainly today, the entertainment industry, at best, is extremely liberal, but in truth, is extremely pagan and anti-God. Very, very humanistic. I'll leave that. The point I want to make is you don't follow your heart. You follow your mind. And Jesus said that. Take a look. In in Mark 12, 30. uh, Actually, let's finish reading the passage. Uh, Let me back up here. Let's finish reading the passage. Well said, teacher. Sorry, uh, <laughs> reading again, I'll be there. Um, and the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, And with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said unto him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus say, you're not far from the kingdom of God? He even complimented him on his answer. But what was it that kept Jesus from saying, you are part of, or you are in the kingdom of God? I'd like to suggest it was because of the way he answered. And let's explore how he answered. And then we'll explore why most likely it had something to do with it. Do you notice that Jesus had said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. The scribe comes along and he answers or he repeats what Jesus said but with an exception on one word. He didn't say, with all your mind. 
He said, with all the understanding, with all the understanding. Key difference. Now, the, the, the others were the same, heart, soul, strength. But he didn't say mind. He said the understanding, not your mind. Very, very key difference. Sorry, wrong way there. I'll get it yet. All right, look at Mark 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, this is when Jesus was saying it, with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Mind, the word mind here, is translated, uh, is the Greek word dianoia, dianoia. And the meaning is deep thought, the mind's disposition, the imagination, and the motivation. It's like the core. Now, I want to, just to contrast this, I want to show you something. In Mark 12.33, look at what the scribe answered. The understanding. The word, the Greek word for uh, translated understanding is sunesis. And it is a mental putting together that is the intellect or knowledge. I want to uh, I want to show you something or mention something. Remember we're back here to Dianoia. It is the deep thought, the mind's disposition, imagination, motivation. Listen to this. Most of us would think, probably I did until I really looked, that in Romans 12 where it says and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind, that's not this mind. That, that word mind, translated mind, is the word nous. N-O-U-S, Greek word pronounced nous. That is also the intellect, the understanding. Our minds are renewed by what we take in. Now, that's also kind of another subject for another day. But that's huge. Okay? So our minds are renewed. We are transformed by the renewing of your mind. How we renew what? We renew our knowledge. We renew our understanding, and that's how our minds are transformed. But then... When the transformation occurs, it has an impact on the dianoia. It has an impact on the deep thought, the mind's disposition, the imagination, and the motivation, who you are at a core, a at the core. So, Jesus said, 
love the Lord your God at, from the core, from your imagination. It's the thing of your motivation and how you see life and how you see people around you. See, it's pretty easy for us, it's pretty easy for, him, for me to come up to Gene and say, hey, you know what, Gene, you're, you're looking sharp today. How are you? You know, have conversation, okay? And I can put on a pretty good front, but you know what's possible? It's possible that even though I did that, okay, and thank God I can honestly say that's not the case, but you know what I could have in my heart, in the imagination or in the motivation or in the disposition of my heart, of my mind, actually is what I mean to say, okay, in the disposition of my mind, I can, I can have some real negative about Gene. And yet, I can put on a pretty good front. Now, here's the deal. Who I really am is the, the Dianoia. That's who I really am. And that's the challenge this morning is, okay, you live out of that. And I'm telling you that because I, and most of us here, have grown up in a, a fairly conservative setting, we've learned to be nice to people, right? I mean, we're just nice. Now, sometimes we aren't. But I mean, for the most part, you know, at least when we're, you know, in public, we're just nice, okay? Now, you have met people who maybe aren't, or maybe you've seen people at the grocery store, or maybe you've been at Walmart. That's a great place to find people who aren't nice. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> um, but but um, wherever you are, you have seen, but for the most part, you know, we're courteous, and, and even though we wait for, um, you know, two hours for our food at the restaurant, we're probably so nice that we're not going to go up and get up and walk out. Okay? Here a while back, I don't even remember why we went to, why did we go to Bob Evans for? I think it was just my foolish decision. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this is, I don't know, a month or more ago. We had gone, uh, we, we had an invitation to go to a, like a going away party. But it wasn't, an, I think it was like from 7 to 9 or something, okay? And so um, we had some other things to run after, so we thought, okay, we'll just stop somewhere in Goshen. It, it was in Goshen at the, uh, at the Electric Brew. And so that's coffee, by the way. And so um, we thought, well, we'll just eat somewhere, and then we'll go to the going away, this farewell party or whatever it was of some friends of ours. So for whatever reason, I can't remember why, but we had looked at some other restaurant or had stopped in. I, maybe because everyone else was busy. That's what it was. I mean, all the parking lots packed. And we're like, man, we don't have that much time. And so we drove, you know, we were going through Goshen. Like, hey, there's Bob Evans. They have good breakfast. They probably have other good stuff, maybe. So um, there's not a lot of people in their parking lot. So we drove in. Went in there, and, um, and so we placed our order. And right across the table, the, the, well, right on the, the next table, there's this family that was, there was a lot of frustration and um, tension, uh, to, s to say the least. <laughs> and um, so this, we had a nice waiter. He took our order and everything. The order went in. And we started waiting, the waiting process. <laughs> and we discovered that there was other people there that had been waiting 
a long time. And um, to speed up the story, I still don't know, we still don't know why it took so long. But we waited, ah, it was a long time. And the table that was beside us, those people, they got up and left. They were so irate. And there was another couple that um, w- had told the waiter if, if their, their Cokes cost, because they like to pay, they have to go. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. And about, he said, it's, it's coming up in like five minutes, which he told us ten minutes like four times, you know. And so, um, and so when he told them five minutes, I thought, <laughs> that's funny. So, so these, this other table, they got up and walked out. I mean, they were like, they were very irate. They didn't pay for anything that had been there. They had brought out like baskets of bread, like bread, uh, a sweet, or uh, uh, bread rolls and different stuff to try to, you know, satisfy the, the, the uh, short-term frustration or whatever, the long-term frustration. And, but anyway, they ended up and left. And their attitude was horrible. And while it was extremely frustrating to wait, we were nice. <laughs> oh, it's all right. We're, we're fine. But I have to confess in my heart, uh, in my mind, I wasn't real cracked up about it. I, I wasn't excited. Okay, I had a bad attitude. <laughs> so who was I? Was I a nice guy? No. In the imagination and motivation of my mind, in my dianoia, I had an attitude problem. Now, someone says, oh, well, we just need to be ourselves. And so there, you should have been yourself and you should have been a jerk. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am I am challenging you and and myself i'm challenging all of us you ask yourself the question how well are you serving the lord with all your mind with all your dianoia and what does that look like so he answers And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding. Understanding, sunesis, a mental putting together, the intellect or the knowledge. That's not what Jesus was saying. He didn't say, love the Lord your God with all your intellect and knowledge. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your motivation, all your imagination, all your deep thought. All your deep thought. Love the Lord with it. That, I'd like to suggest, is why Jesus told the scribe, you're not far from the kingdom. Had he answered as Jesus has stated, he would have understood the kingdom. The heart follows the mind. It follows the motivation, the imagination, and the deep thought of the mind. 
Now, what is that then? How do we, what does Scripture, does Scripture speak into loving the Lord with all our mind? Our dianoia. Does it? It does. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, or you can follow on the screen. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, your dianoia, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That was God's call. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Check this out. Loins, the Greek word, literally means the hip. But when used with the word or in the same sentence, in that context of the dianoia, it means procreative power. That's wild. Check it out. Look. Wherefore, gird up, that's prepare, put into motion, make it happen, you know, give strength to, gird up the procreative powers of your mind, your dianoia. I thought I had another slide there, but I guess I don't. The mind, gird up, give strength to the loins, the procreative powers. Let's go back to that. The procreative power of your imagination. The, pro the procreative power of your motivation the procreative power of your deep thoughts, the dianoia, your mind. Now, why is that so important? Because of the call on our lives. Check it out. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts of your ignorance. When your mind was not redeemed, when your imaginations, your motivation, your deep thought, when they were pagan, when, when they were selfish, when you wanted to have life as I wanted to have it, and I just want it my way. I see life. That's how I do life because that's how I see it. Selfishness. This whole study of the mind is amazing. It's way bigger than what we can get into today, but if you... If you study, like in Romans 1, the reprobate mind, 
And, and, th- and that, that's even a different than either, that's a different Greek word than either of these. You will learn some amazing things. Do a study on wherever in the New Testament uh, you have the word mind. And there's like, I think there's three, three, maybe four main ones, and then there's one or two that's just listed once. But you will learn a lot about what these scriptures actually are focusing on. So, gird up the loins, the procreative powers of your dianoia, of your deep thinking. Now, why? Or how, wh- what, does, what is this about? How does it look? But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. What follows the mind? The heart, right? So, if the heart follows the mind, then if the dianoia, the deep thought and motivation of my mind is to be holy, or it is holy, it has been cleansed, then where my treasure is, those decisions about where my treasure is are going to be made from those deep thoughts and imaginations, okay? I'm also going to recognize that to keep that renewed, I need to have good input. I need to have good knowledge and intelligence. Okay? Because that input is what renews the mind. Okay? But I live out of the deep thought, the motivation, the imagination. That brings us to a point of recognizing that it is not so much a doing as a being. And look at these verses. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. You don't do holy. You be holy. Because when you be holy, I know it's not proper English, but it makes the point, then in all manner of conversation, where your heart is will be holy. And what you do will be right. It will be righteousness because it comes out of a dianoia, that is holy. And no longer am I just being nice to Gene or nice to the waiter at Bob Evans, but it's actually all right. Because I'm serving the Lord out of a being and not out of some superficial doing. Here's the challenge I have for you. When you, as you live your life and what you do, actually, let me back up. We talk a lot about doing. And when I was studying this, I kept thinking, okay, so what do I do so that I can serve the Lord with all my mind? And I just kept thinking in those terms. So, Okay, Lord, and I was praying, so Lord, I, I, I couldn't get a conclusion. 
And I had this, I had the emotion of this earlier in the week. And um, so last evening I was working on it and, and I just couldn't get a conclusion. Like, what do I do? What can I uh, challenge us with from the scriptures about what do we do? What does loving the Lord, your God, with all your mind, your dianoia, what does that, what do I do? Are you following me? And finally, I just said, hey, I, I don't have an answer. I, I guess I'll just, I'll just quit for now. And so Josh and Lisa were there last night. And by the way, credit to Josh for helping me get this PowerPoint set up. But uh, I'm not a techie guy at all. Um, so, so we just enjoyed the evening. And I went to bed. Got up this morning, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, look. I mean, we have to have a conclusion here. I mean, where do I go? You can't just see, talk about the, the imaginations in the mind and the, that motivation, the deep thought, and then people are like, okay, that's cool. So now what? And he took me this morning. I, I discovered, or he just placed it in my mind, like, it's a being. You can't do it. Do it. You don't do holiness. You do righteousness. You do righteous works. But you can't do holiness. It's a being. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, a being. And it's out of the being that you then do. And so no longer do you need, do I need to, in some superficial way, be, be nice to Gene? Or to the waiter at Bob Evans. Did you know in being, in the, in the deep thought and imagination of, of your mind and who you really are, who I really am, it's possible, according to the scriptures, ah, do I really want to say this? According to the scriptures, that being can be so strong or so um, God-filled that pride and selfishness have to go. And then out of that, you don't even have to be superficially nice. You actually are. Isn't that amazing? But not because you have an agenda. In your imagination, in your core, in my core, the call to holiness is. It is. It's a being. I'm telling you, your husband or your wife or your child or your brother or sister, your brother or sister in the church, everyone will be delighted when my dianoia is holy. And out of that, we serve the Lord with all our mind. I want to leave you with this. 
couple weeks ago, uh, the youth had a youth activity, um, and Glenn and Frida hosted us uh, in the garage there, and, and, and we sat around a uh, circle or rectangle or whatever. And the youth with the seniors of the congregation here. And um, we had a really nice dinner. Uh, youth, the uh, of food and stuff. And then we gave opportunity for the youth to ask questions from the uh, seniors. And uh, it was a really good time. You could ask any of the youth or the seniors, and I think agree. Here's why. After that evening, it occurred to me that the reason that each of the seniors are still very much engaged in the life of this congregation, families, and yes, even the youth, and why they still care. And they're engaged, and they want to be involved, is because of who they are in the core of their mind. How they see life, how they see others, and their imagination and motivation and deep thought includes caring for young and old. And when I was studying this, my mind went back to that evening. And I thought about it in the context of this morning's message. I didn't think of it in as this specific context that evening. But I thought about it when I was studying. And I'm so, we, we are so blessed to have that example here. And I want to encourage you seniors to keep on. You will finish strong. You will finish well. When in your core, in your dianoia, you continue to walk in holiness. And in that example, I want to be like you when I grow up. Dad, I'm going to ask you to close.